Playback. Welcome back to Q Playback. I'm Christopher Spraken. Today, my guests are the artists formerly known as Slow Dissolve. Um, I'll just go around the room here. We have Chris Lynch, uh, Nathan Collins, the artist formerly known as Andrew Watson. <laughs> Uh, so the three of you um, came together to form Slow Dissolve um, somewhere around 2016, or was it even earlier? Was that? I, I yeah, I I don't know. I couldn't tell you that co- that COVID kind of interruption in the timeline makes it challenging. Do you, mm-hmm. you, do you, do you know what it was? Yeah, it was about 15, 16 around there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I, I'd met, I think I might have met you first, Nath, because we shared a gig at the Empress yeah, maybe yeah. around 2003, 2004. A Sunday afternoon gig. Sounds right. Yeah. I think yeah. that might have actually been with Chris. I know we did a, a gig, Fear of Flight. Fear of Flight. The first yep. band here. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that became Broken Flight. Yep. That was with you and I think Tamus. Okay. Oh, so yeah. it was, but I reckon we, it was Planet Cafe. Nah, it was Empress Hurricane Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I designed the poster. I yeah. recall. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, yeah. I definitely played at the Planet Cafe. Yeah, um, but so I think yeah, that gig was yeah, uh, I think Empress. Empress. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Andrew, I think these guys knew you um, far before I met you. Yeah, no, that, that's that's about right. Um, mm. Because Mime Set had played with Broken Flight. And I can't actually remember when I first met you, Nathan. Uh, well, I was at that show and I think I ended up mixing it. Because <laughs> Did you really? I'm so sorry. That's, right. That's when Bar Open had the mixer on the stage. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm Old Bar. Old Bar had the mixer on the stage. That's right. And so I think I ended up doing it. I mean, it wasn't, you know, mixing it is overstating. But I think I helped <laughs> set up, get the levels about right Yeah. for that show. Yeah, in the days before the old bar had a stage and it had a piano at the side. Yep. Yep. And I think there were still windows behind the band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there were. Yep. 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 We've wandered into grand designs of Melbourne pubs, <laughs> I think. Yep. Um, so the three of you came together and do you remember what, what drew you first into just wanting to do a music project together? Because it was a little bit different to everything else that you were doing at the time. Well, my recollection is um, that I'd written a number of solo piano pieces. Mm. Is this your recollection? And and I had the idea of maybe getting Chris and Andrew to do some stuff on my project. Yep. Um, uh, and uh, and and gave them some recordings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then we we kind of decided that maybe it wouldn't be my project that that there was going to be more ev- level playing field mm-hmm. with some different ideas. Was yeah. that part of the change from the name Collins Lynch Watson to Slow Dissolve? No, no, that was much, later. Much, much later. Yeah, 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 it was later. Moving so, away from the law firm name. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so initially there was no name, and. I don't even remember rehearsing prior to booking studio time. I think we booked studio time, and then the day before we spent at your place. There are a couple times that first week. Around. In the There's first at least, week. I reckon, twice before the studio. Yeah. Yeah, but we basically 
booked studio time before mm. we'd even played yeah. together in yep. this arrangement. Yeah. Because you guys had played together a lot previously, and I'd played with you, Chris, previously, but I don't think I'd ever played in a band. No, with no, you. we hadn't. No. We yeah. hadn't played. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was, the, and there was no band name. And there was no ambition for anything. We mm. just went in. We we found a studio. Andrew, you'll remember the name of the studio. Crosstown. It was Crosstown. Mm. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Um, where uh, we had the support of the engineer in there to basically just hit record. Nice. And and he would sometimes just leave. Yeah, Joshua Whitehead. Any, anytime you want me to do that for you. Yeah. <laughs> like come back an hour or two actually, later and actually, we were still playing. Yeah. He didn't leave. He, <laughs> he, he, he would just sit back. He, he was kicking back and um, letting the music take him on a journey. Yeah. 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 Which did mean that later on we had, sometimes there was like an, an hour we'd have to sit through and go, okay, just listening to see which parts became songs and which parts well, worked together. Well, that was together. the challenge, right? So we ended yeah. up with from that one day we ended up with quite a lot of sound including some sort of 35 40 minute improvised pieces mm. and it was really editing and and by editing i just meant choosing the start and stop time on on those tracks that sort of put that first recording together mm. And so were the three of you listening to music that was already improvised or was this really to try and do something completely different uh, from where you had been? Uh, I don't think I was particularly listening to improvised music. A lot of what I was listening to at the time was quite pre-sort of manufactured, I guess is the word for it. Um, so this was something different for me. Mm. Yeah, I think I listened to a fair bit of improvised music, but to actually get out and play it, I think, was a step out of my comfort zone. So I think that yep. was part of the draw to it, to see how it would work. And, like, usually mm. most of the songs I'd written, they were constructed, you know, you spend hours kind of forming it. So I, And I, th I think the the idea of the three of us playing together was we, we all kind of liked the way each other played and we thought... Um, we'd be able to write some good improvised music together. Yeah, because a lot of other musicians would uh, thinking would be thinking the booking studio time, and then going in with like you know just a couple of sessions um, prior rehearsing. Yeah, they'd think that that, that would be terrifying. They, they would think that yeah. might be a massive waste of money and time and. Well, we wasted money on studio time later, <laughs> didn't we? <laughs> um, but, well, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a point of conjecture. Which was, <laughs> um, in terms of the improvising thing, now that I think about it, at the time I was spending a lot of time running around between venues with people asking me to play for them, and mm. I would play yeah. with a lot of people who had never... I'd never heard their music, and they would ask me to play, yep. and... So yeah, that at the time I think was a very comfortable way of me operating. Yep, I'm I'm actually remembering yeah. now of at least two occasions where you and I did play together, <laughs> but completely unprepared. So I had a band, the Steadfast Shepherd. Oh yeah, you yeah, were yeah, in yeah. a supporting yeah, band. You yeah. played violin on one or two tracks with no preparation. Yeah, just sounds... Andrew, do you want to play violin on this one? Great. I didn't even tell you the key. I think you just watched what chords I was playing and you played along. 
Um, and, great, and then, I have no idea how a piano works. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, that was on guitar. Oh, but then yeah. I played piano with you at some Velvet Morning at one stage as well because you were doing a solo something and you said, oh, do you want right. to come mm-hmm. and play something? So, yeah, um, it, it's really freeing, Chris. Mm. Like, I, I think prior to multi-tracking, musicians would just turn up to a studio and and play, hand out some charts yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. and play and record. Um, and uh, you, you know some of the some of the challenges around being organised enough to make music together are some of the biggest challenges. Mm. So so yeah. just like shooting some emails and talking a bit about mood and vibe and instrumentation and then just doing it yep. actually actually makes it much easier mm. than rehearsing for a year and working out parts and exactly what mm. bit you're going to play what note and all mm. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was hard enough to organise the four of us to be together tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I think even, um, even with um, the improvising in, in studio, because you can kind of cut and edit a little bit, like it wasn't as as frightening experience, I guess, but I remember a couple of the early shows, we'd have a few songs kind of listed, then we'd have just improvise a song yeah and so we'd like, be on stage and we just make up a song on the spot and that was terrifying because that's actually <laughs> in, in front of people who are going to hear the song yeah. and then they experience it live and i don't think anything was i, I think they end up going okay but it's a bit more terrifying now this seems to be a very unassuming way to describe uh what you were creating together but you managed to do quite a lot of shows and um, even a gig at the the Forum in Melbourne, which is a decent-sized venue. Um, that, I believe that was for a um, film and soundtrack event. No, it was um, triple. It was Triple R's live performance takeover of the Forum for the International Film Festival. Film right. Festival, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it wasn't a full yeah. Forum. It was yeah. kind of and yeah, uh, yeah Jonathan Alley broadcast. Jonathan yeah. Alley was presenting and asked us to come on. Yeah. Yeah, and and that that was kind of the, the the amazing thing I think with this project initially is that we did that day of recording, we sat on it for a month or two, we finally organised to get together and work out how we were going to edit it. We pressed some CDs, and and Andrew worked really hard, but within twelve hours of him putting the CD in someone's hand, we were played on Triple R. Yep, and then we were played again and again, and it, yeah, it just kind of mm. took off. Still on a very very modest scale, but but it it opened doors almost instantly. Mm. So I think there's something about the tone that did actually connect with people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and do you think that there were highlights that you remember that, that moments where you felt like this is like all working exactly how it should? Or I think part of the the fun of it for me was that at any moment it could have gone off the rails, yeah. particularly in a live <laughs> environment. That was kind of what I fed on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me speaking, that's yeah. like. Yeah. But I'm I'm a fairly, you know. We we played we played some fantastic shows. Mm. Yeah. So the forum was a great experience. Um, Albeit. Chris looked very different. Yes, Chris. <laughs> we had to get some um, Tom Hoskins to fill in for Chris on that day. I was overseas. We, oh, yeah. we played yeah. Minion Town Hall in South okay. Gippsland, yep. and yep. Th- that was a massive pain. All right. So uh, last year we were fortunate enough to uh, 
have a very friendly uh, man in Japan come to us and say, we'd like to put your album out in Japan. We said, sure. Apparently in Japan, we're new age music. I don't quite get that, but that's okay. Um, we gave him a secret bonus track. And uh, you can only officially buy it in the Japanese release. And it's about waiting. It's about waiting and no you know the feeling when you want something really, really badly. But the more you wait, the further out of your grasp it is. This song's called A Watch Pot Never Boils. Yeah. That uh, was We've Lost Riders. With Lost Riders, yeah. And we felt a bit unsure because we were playing to this regional middle-aged crowd. Mm. And um, the guy who organised the show, whose name escapes me, do you remember? It's okay if you can't. He came up to us beforehand and said, guys, just blow the roof off the place. Nice. Yeah. Which was, like, fantastic because this is the biggest PA we've ever had access to. Mm. And um, he gave us permission to play as loud as we wanted. Mm and as bombastic as we wanted, and that was awesome. Mm. But I think my favourite show, you guys might recall, we played a little show at Rook's Return. Mm. Was that what it was yeah. called? we played a number of shows there, actually. Rook's Return. Le was it Leah Senior who organised a show there? Uh, maybe. And, um... Oh, she was booking there at the time, It yeah. was, like, it was packed. Yeah. So, so I don't know what packed means in that venue. Not a lot. <laughs> 80 or 100, yep. but but it was mm. it was shoulder to shoulder, mm -hmm. and there's hardly a stage, and so people were right there with us. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think for me that was probably the highlight that mm. that particular. Yeah, show. no, they were they were, they were great shows. Mm. And each of you, in your own rights, have written and composed. Um, was it difficult to find a negotiation point? Um, between the three of you, or did it happen fairly organically, being able to take your hands off the wheels a little bit? I, I feel like I remember it being pretty organic. Like, I think once we were in the studio, um, we were able to play pretty pretty easily together, and even in choosing the songs afterwards, like, it was pretty obvious which ones didn't quite work, and to, to find that the kind of six pieces that worked well. Um, I can't remember any major disagreements on that. No, I think... The thing that sort of struck me as time went on, the more that we tried to have a structure from the outset, the harder it became. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and I think, because there are later recordings, yeah, and there's some very good stuff amongst it, um, which kind of always needed the same approach to the album, mm. yeah. the EP, whatever you want to call it, that came yeah. out. Um, but I think all of the attempts, we were at our best when we weren't thinking about structure um, so much and letting things take its course. Oh, this is just my opinion. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, rehearsal was like, who's got an idea? Yeah. And someone would be like, oh, these three chords sound nice together. <laughs> Simple as that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that would be it. Mm. So Chris would start playing those three chords. Mm. Yeah. And, and then we just jam on it. Yeah. And occasionally go, oh, and then I found this change that could work. And it'd be like, okay, cool. Let's watch each other for the change, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's how it worked, basically. Yeah, there was a lot of communication. Yeah. yeah. A lot of nonverbal communication and intuition. 
Yeah. It worked really well. And there were a couple of songs that made the the EP mm-hmm. that there was no, like we didn't talk in, about anything before, we just started playing. Mm. So like best not to mention, I think that one was just made up on the spot. Even the last track, we hadn't talked about that at all. We just kind of played. I think in the studio, we did try some things like we'd turn out the lights to see if that changed things a bit. Yep. We'd just do little things to mm. oh, um, shift our focus around. You had those Brian Eno cards. Oh, yeah, the... Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, have you heard, it's creativity. Like a, yes, yeah. I think Laura yeah, Veers yeah. did something similar yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. so yeah, it, 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 yeah, it was very liberating actually mm. to not have to have a structure. Mm-hmm. Still is. Yeah. Mm. Playback.